Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, and this podcast, so we, we're going to, I know we just said we'd start to do more regular basketball ones, but they literally lost the exact same way we predicted, kind of the exact same struggles that occurred against Purdue, so um, if there's interest, I might sneak in a quick preview podcast before I head down to Iowa City on Friday, but realistically, uh, it might be more something next week. This episode is going to be the official Michigan football offseason checklist by us. So, of course, we're going we're gonna to write about a lot of this stuff over at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Some of the stuff has been written about already in, in different different forms, but every year entering the offseason, unless you win the national title, and even then you, and there's probably a few things on your list, unless you win the national title, there's, there's going to be a th- things on your checklist. Michigan went 9-4. and four. They finished the season ranked 18th in the country. Uh, certainly, certainly quite a few things that they want to do, but it is interesting. I don't think the list is quite as long in terms of objective, legitimate changes you have to make. Last year, they needed a new offensive coordinator. Well, they needed a offensive coordinator. You know, there were some there were some defensive holes they had to fill. There were some so a few more coaching vacancies uh, than than there were this year. But regardless, there are a few, and we can start with oh, let's well, let's start with the literal one that they actually do need to fill. They still have one more coaching vacancy. Uh, we can be quick because we talked about this last week, but obviously Chris Partridge going on to be co-DC at Ole Miss leaves them with a safeties coach opening. But, Steve, just today, this morning, Rutgers hired defensive co- a defensive coordinator and Anthony Campanelli, who was the outside linebacker's Vipers coach, who was reportedly deciding between being a defensive coordinator at Rutgers and staying at Michigan – is it pretty safe to assume that Rutgers hiring a d- defensive coordinator means he's staying? Is that is that they the checklist keep Campanelli? Is that you putting that in pencil? Yeah, I think. I mean, I would only assume he'd only go to Rutgers with some kind of uh, title elevation. So Rutgers hiring a defensive coordinator, the timing too, because it's clear, you know, for Rutgers to wait this long that they had also kind of been waiting to see what Campanelli was going to do uh, for them to move forward with a coordinator hire, I think is a pretty good indication that right. he will be staying it's obviously super significant for Michigan. I think from both a coaching standpoint and a recruiting standpoint as well, we talked a little bit about recruiting last episode, but you keep him on staff and you keep a very well-respected uh, strong New Jersey recruiter, which in 2021, I mean, you could argue three of Michigan's top, 10 or 11 targets overall uh, are from New Jersey, including Tywon Malone, who plays at Bergen Catholic, which is where I think Campanelli's brother is still the head coach there. I mean, that's a basically a program that's been run by the Campanelli family for as long as uh, I can remember. So, right. so yeah, so yeah, all indications are that he's going to stay on, which like I said, you know, we'll see if he stays at linebacker, if they move him around a little bit or what, but Great, great potential news for Michigan. Like I said, we're just more waiting for it to go official than anything else, you know. But yeah, great, 
You know, these are wins, just like recruiting wins are, kind of. You know, well, it's like I a mean, player staying for a fourth year, so it's like Nico yeah. Collins coming back. Yep, it's nice to see some staff a little more continuity there. I mean, Partridge maybe end up being the only departure that Michigan has this off season, which I think, again, he was coveted for three or four years straight. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to think at some point that was going to happen. Uh, you know, so but to have mostly the same staff for a second straight year, I think is is uh, good for Michigan and, again, good for them on the recruiting trail as well. It will be interesting to study because, I mean, they, they were averaging three or four departures a year for a few yeah. years running. And so um, I, I've i always said if you're losing coaches to better jobs, that's fine. If you're firing coaches, that obviously means that you have some work to do. Continuity is kind of in between. But for the player, for the development of the players – especially on the defensive side of the ball where I feel like there's been, you know, they lost Madison, they lost Washington. I mean, they, they've had different linebackers coaches for three straight years. Yeah. And if you count Durkin, I mean, it's really been, there's been a lot of variance there. So um, not the worst thing. But one thing that Campanelli's return also could open up, and we're not going to give it all away. Of course, you can go become a VIP member at 247sports.com. Sam Webb's been all over this. But Campanelli, he isn't just a linebackers coach. He also has coached safeties and defensive backs. He was actually a pro football focus award-winning defensive backs coach when he was at Boston College. So instead of having a safeties coach opening, Campanelli could theoretically fill the safeties coach position and then open up a linebackers coach position which, for those that don't know, Don Brown coaches the inside linebackers. So it would be kind of an outside linebackers, uh, Viper, kind of... Could, there's some there's some flexibility there. You could you could move different guys to different positions to get what you want. How, how critical is that flexibility? How beneficial can that be for Michigan, Steve? And then uh, does it change your outlook... I, Go back and listen to our last episode if you want to hear what we think. You know, we like Devin Bush Sr. a lot. Uh, they definitely need a recruiter. I personally think they need someone who does a lot of what Partridge does. Young, high energy, relatable, open-minded. I mean, it's not, I don't, I think really if you could just clone. Yeah, yeah, connects with Cade. It really just clone Partridge and you're probably in good shape, but kind of a lot of the similar characteristics. Does does Campanelli's return alleviate some of the need for experienced recruiters? Does it does it change uh, maybe exactly what you're looking for, or is it still the pretty pretty much the exact same criteria? Exact same. Got to be a recruiter. Has to be. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, like we said last episode, you know, you – you go the NFL route, which again, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. But you know, I, I just, you know, guys that come back from the NFL, like I said, you coach in the NFL, you get to still get to go home every night. That's what you know. You're not on the road for six months out of the year. So these guys that are in the NFL and then come to the college game, and all of a sudden they're on the road all the time, and you're having to, you know. DM with recruits or text recruits or call recruits and their families, you know, the effort usually is, I'd say, lacking in the relative sense. I think, like you said, yeah, younger, high energy, you know, 
half the battle with recruiting is just enjoying doing it, like the passion of being a good recruiter and the passion of like pursuing and like trying to reel in as many, you know, of your top guys as you can. And so I think they, I, yeah, nothing's changed for me on that at all. Still got to be the same type of hire. Right. Okay. So I, we talked about it all, all last episode, so we don't need to spend too much more time. So that's checklist item number one. For me, and you're welcome to, to throw in yours after this if you see one as a higher priority, but I think number two, I know Carlo Kemp is returning for his fifth year. Um, that kind of that rumor began around early December. Uh, it sounds like Dwemfor can, might return for his fifth year as well. I uh, feel like that decision has to be made decently soon. Chris Hinton... Easy choice for a breakout player. He he seems to be following that mold of the Aiden Hutchinson, of the Cameron Grown, of the um, you know Devin Bush a year ago. Guys, guys who are starting to you know the defensive players are almost talking about him like he's already like it's not even a breakout player because he's already good. Starting to creep into that territory just a little bit. I still think you need a defensive tackle. You probably need a defensive tackle. Depending on how guys like Taylor Upshaw and David Ajabo look in spring ball, you might need a defensive end too. Uh, to me, that's that's got to be high on the checklist. Is not not so much. I mean, I don't think you're going to find a star because usually, if you're in, if you're on the defensive line and you're a star, you're probably able to find a landing spot in the pros, or you're pretty happy where you are. I mean, Josh Allen. Was made a ton of money coming out of Kentucky. Um, Khalil Mack made a ton of money coming out of Buffalo. I know he wasn't quite what 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 we're discussing here, but still, you can be you can be a star on the defensive line anywhere. So you might not get you might not get a all Big Ten type of player, but someone like a Mike Dana, I think they could use. And then they need they need a body. I know Michael Williams out of Stanford is the name that gets discussed a lot. They need someone like that. A starter caliber, experienced, sizable, because size has been an issue in the defensive interior. That's got to. I mean, it it might be, it might actually be at the top of of the checklist of what Michigan needs because they just they need more up front than what they have right now. Injuries are always a thing. You know, there's there's plenty of warranted excitement for Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay. But that's not. You need a couple more players on top of that. Steve, your thoughts on on that defensive line and what they what they need to add, what they can add, what um, what stands out to you about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Mozzie Smith's progression going into next year will be pretty important too. Because I'm with you. I'm at the point now where I think we expect Hinton to be a big producer for them next year. But yeah, just more. Of a more depth, more quality depth, especially in the middle. On the outside, I mean, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see because this is it'll be year three for Upshaw. It'll be year three for Welshoff too, who's a guy that really never gets talked about. True. Uh, you know, kind of at some point the lights got to go on. You know, again, Upshaw's a guy though. We've we've seen we saw a decent amount of him this season. I think he could be a guy that you might hear some breakout picks for. Uh, you know, Ojabo, though, scout team player of the year, just learning the game. 
super athletic. What's he up to? 18 know. stones. Yeah, I was. I love that stuff, man. It's funny. <laughs> it's, it's cool. He's got a. He does have a great story. That's a good story. If anybody, uh, BBC did a story on Ojabo because he, you know he's a native of Scotland. Uh, you know, great story. But his mentality too, I thought was really great. Talked a lot about being patient, waiting his turn, understanding that he still has to learn the game a little bit. I mean, it's a really good story if you go uh, Google it up and find it. But yeah, I mean, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, transfer portal. Is a, is a big thing nowadays. I, you know, Michigan is always looking. But the thing about the transfer portal is, is it's become a situation where it really kind of just turns into recruiting again. Right. So yeah, you might be going after a guy because like, oh, great fit. But then all of a sudden, you know, you got Georgia and Clemson and all these other pro, like the same programs that you're recruiting the five star high school athletes for. You're recruiting for that transfer from, you know, Oregon A and M. And so, you know, it creates a situation where, yeah, that sounds nice just to plug in a guy. You know, Williams, yeah, I mean, Williams is a name pop up right away. I mean, he, he Michigan recruited him in high school. I think he had some interest at that point at the time. I can't remember how high the interest was. I think it was maybe middling. But you know, any Stanford grad transfer is a potentially good fit for Michigan because I believe the story with Stanford having so many of them this cycle is because they probably aren't getting into grad school at Stanford if I remember correctly I think that was part of the yeah I mean situation. frankly they went four and eight that too <laughs> I don't yeah. think that helps um but but yeah there are going to be more Stanford grad transfers I, I I read that actually the year prior to sure. um is that it's it's always going to be a little bit more just because and and I'm sure I mean Michigan I'm sure some of the programs are are similar Obviously, Stanford's a, a better school than Michigan, but grad programs at Michigan are usually top ten, top fifteen at the low right. end. So you, so, so you could get, so you could get it. You could theoretically not get into a Stanford grad program, but probably at least have a shot of getting in at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And still, and not necessarily downgrade your exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that's where you, I can see a situation where you know Michigan could reel in a few guys in that caliber at some point so and that's maybe i guess with those specific instances you might not be dealing as much with the georgias and lsus and clemsons or whatever you know when you're looking at a guy transfer grad transferring from stanford so no defensive front wise though yeah more so is with depth than anything else i think Mm -hmm. that there may be enough star power there for them to you know they'll have top line guys like i said i think hinton has it in him I think, again, we didn't see enough of Mozzie Smith, and if he didn't play a ton, I don't think he's just going to step onto the scene next year and just dominate off the bat. Right, right. But could be a guy maybe like Dwum for a couple years ago who, you know, starts off a little slow and then turns it on in the second half of the season. You know, but yeah, depth really across the board there. But more so, in my opinion, more so in the middle, just having a couple more big, yeah, larger bodies. Because like you said, I think Kemp, who played really well down the stretch last year, still not like your standard, you know, plug in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's kind of a, well, he, you know, he, he got a lot of tackles. It's, it can't can't knock can't knock what he did this past season. I felt like he had a good, what we thought was a senior stretch. Um, <laughs> turns out it was a redshirt junior stretch. But, um, yeah, you're right, you're right. That first line of Hinton, Kemp, Hutchinson and and Pay, 
probably stacks up pretty well. I mean, maybe not a ton of... I mean, Hutchinson's the only one who I would think could be a you know, top 100 pick kind of candidate, but but still, that's four that you can work with. Probably want to go into Seattle next year with six or seven. So so if I'm Michigan, already pursuing a, a defensive tackle, but then defensive end, I want to see what Upshaw brings. I want to see what Welshoff brings, Ajabo, Valane is someone, you know, it's certainly, yeah. certainly... He played. Um, he got some PT down the stretch, and he yeah. did, he did something with it. He did more than I think maybe we thought he would. After there was like that excitement, he'd be back, but then he didn't really mm-hmm. play. So you're like, oh, well, maybe it's not in the cards. But then he did play a little bit later on, and yeah, he right. had some good snaps. So. Yeah, with with him, I, I don't know. Maybe Michigan has a different outlook. I would just say whatever you get from him is is the cherry on top. I mean. Two season-ending injuries like that—that's uh, not easy. Not easy to come sure. back from. But anyway, yeah, I so I don't think they're going to be banking on. Yeah, right. They'll be banking right. on him. They're not. And so, so yeah. If you're if you're looking at the portal, defensive tackle look right away. Defensive end, kind of what you did with Dana. See if there's see if there's a good fit. If there's someone who is interested in Michigan, uh, kind of sees what they can benefit from Michigan, understands they might not start but does want to compete for it. Maybe that's what you look for at defensive end. Um, but defensive tackle absolutely needs somebody. Next on my checklist, looking at this, is decide who your quarterback is. And that might not happen until later on. It might not happen before spring ball or even at the end of spring ball. But that is something that they have to do. They do have to decide who their quarterback is and and find something that works. Steve, we we don't see Milton or McCaffrey in practice. I know I saw in the fifteen minutes. Take that for what you will. I saw down in the Citrus Bowl. I thought Milton looked much improved. Um, you know, McCaffrey had a couple throws that weren't great, but I didn't see nearly enough to really make a judgment. But it felt like felt like this is going to be a lot more even than maybe I thought it was going to be. I kind of thought McCaffrey was was a step or two ahead. Uh, I think this is, from what I've been able to gather, a full speed. Both both guys, kind of even as competitive as a of a quarterback battle as there's been. I know Jim Harbaugh always has quarterback battles, but it seems like this might be the most neck and neck one. Uh, your thoughts, maybe on the battle, the importance of it, but then also knowing what what you've seen over the past few years is there a is there an ideal time if you were Michigan where you say this is our this is our starting quarterback uh, the timing's tough there's so many very I feel like this with this one because this should be a relatively even matchup out of the gates that I you I think they're going to take their time. I know there's sometimes there's the advantage of hitching your wagon to a guy to, you know, kind of, he's the leader. He's going to lead us, you know, uh, give that title to the guy you want as, as quickly as you can. I don't know if that'd be the case in this situation. I mean, this, this storyline, this deal, this is the most important thing for them all, all off season. And I don't even know if it's, if it's that close. Just wrote about it. Yeah. I mean, this is, this you know, in a lot of ways could determine 
2020 and beyond for the program. So, I mean, there's no pressure in choosing. That being said, though, on the flip side, the good thing is I think you do have two guys who are capable, though. That's the flip side. Now, if one wins, does the other go? You know, we'd have to wait and see. But probably have to at this point. I, right? I, I would think I would think so. Yeah, I mean, it it only makes sense when you you're seeing guys transfer under way less. How do you say like understandable circumstances? I guess you know at the quarterback position, you know, so that for a guy like one of these guys to lose that battle and and want to go would make total sense, especially if it does turn out to be a pretty tightly. I think contested. the only scenario where they don't lose one is if McCaffrey wins, but it's abundantly clear that he's a one and done, and sure. they somehow convince Milton he's got two to years. stick it out. And and also one thing, not to, I, I don't like talking about players, but but McCaffrey has been dinged up a few times when he's been out there. Sure. And so maybe they are able to successfully pitch the. You know, you'll you'll play. You're the next man up, but I don't. I frankly, I don't think Michigan has done. I mean, they they talked about using McCaffrey in every single game last year. They didn't even come close. I know he was hurt for a few of them, but even when he was back, they 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 didn't. They did not make a good pitch about using two different quarterbacks. And so, right. yeah, the guy on the losing end. Um, you know, I'm sure McCaffrey will, since he was an early enrollee. I'm sure he'll have a, a degree. Um. Oh, yeah. Perhaps not, but you know, yeah. It, in this day and age, I don't think you can ever expect a a the loser in a hotly contested. You know, if one guy kind of expect if if there were two years difference between these two players, if it was McCaffrey versus McNamara. Yeah, McNamara probably sticks it out, but when it's hotly contested and they're they're a year apart, I think the loser, not the loser, the the person who is not the starter, uh, is should should transfer to another school you know if they're looking out for the best for their career so yeah Fromm it's and big Fields, and it's important yeah you know like in georgia last year it's like you know let's go it's the most all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply Fields would have just had to wait one more year, or maybe could have beat Fromm out this year at Georgia. You kind of would have, kind of want to think that he would have. Now that you know what he did at Ohio State, a little bit, but, yeah. But same deal though, where it's like, you know, granted, I guess the circumstances of that departure were a little bit different than what would happen at Michigan, but it's the same idea. You know, it's a, a tightly contested uh, quarterback battle. Yeah, is almost inevitably going to lead to attrition. Well, you even think about it this way. Say your scenario comes true. Say McCaffrey wins the job. Michigan convinces Milton, you know, that McCaffrey is capable of being a one and done and that he'll leave. Well, then what about McNamara? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> so then it, it kind of trickles down a little bit to where it's it's basically inevitable in a way that one of those three guys will leave before their eligibility is, is up. So, but grand scheme of things though no this quarterback battle is the most important storyline and important part for the michigan football program um until the season opener next year and like i said in in a lot of ways i don't think that it is particularly close and you said you like what you saw to milton at the citrus bowl 
I don't think anybody would argue that Milton does not have a higher ceiling, mm-hmm. but he has a lower floor. And so then that's really, that's been the case since he was recruited. You know, everyone, his detractors like to point to his, you know, completion percentage in high school, all that stuff. I know when Michigan recruited him, they were in love with his, obviously his physical tools, you know, and you see that with how effortless uh, his ball is when he throws it. But they loved the intangibles too, the work ethic, the time that he puts in behind the scenes, you know, and now, I, you know, knowing that it's it's his opportunity next season, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Because again, you saw it when he came in, when he played, you could you can see it. Mm-hmm. It was it was raw. It was still raw. You know, I don't think I don't think they could have won a ton of games with him under center this year if he had gotten thrown into duty somehow. But the potential, you know, was palpable. You can see it. So mm-hmm. going to be interesting. Yeah, well, and I know I know Devin Gardner with his young go-getters quarterback. I, I know he's he's met with and worked with Joe Milton a few times. He's a big fan. He he thinks he thinks it's going to be Milton that's going to it's going to win the job and and do really impressive things for Michigan. So uh, certainly certainly some reason for buzz. Uh, you know, you've seen his arm and and um, I know we talked to him down in down in Florida actually, and I asked him about. Transferring because I actually looked it up. It might be different now when I looked it up in late December, December 30th or whatever. Since the portal began in October 2018, a new quarterback entered the portal on average once every 57 hours. <laughs> and so I think it was like 192 quarterbacks sure. that entered the portal. Sure. Just, I mean, it's just how it goes. And and certainly, I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame them. I mean, I'm I don't little- think it's. A little oh, go ahead. surprised. No, sorry. Are you a little surprised? Like I'm, I'm almost just a smidge surprised that you're not seeing, not the top top guys at quarterback, but maybe some of like the high three star, low four star guys. You know, maybe committing to like smaller, smaller yeah. programs. You know, to get on the field a little bit quicker, gamble on yourself a little bit to get on the field quicker. And then if you, you know, if you show out, you play well, go into the portal and then transfer. Like you see what Jamie Newman did at, at Wake Forest, transferring to Georgia, you know, not saying that that was his strategy the whole time. I'm guessing it wasn't, but with the way the portal has worked. No, that's a good point. You know, it's like, I, I well, but we haven't seen it yet though. I don't think, I mean, the, the, the big programs are still usually kind of the first choice, but you're seeing more and more guys. Well, Derek King, or Derek King, I don't know how he, how he pronounces it, but mm-hmm. the kid from Houston <laughs> pulled a 180 and is now going to transfer, you know, after sitting out the season, probably because he sees, hey, Jalen Hurts is leaving, you know. Uh, that wasn't a 180. Joker. He was going to transfer from the get-go. No, I think he announced he was going to sit out. at the When he first Well, he was going to shut it down was... so he could have one more year of eligibility, but I thought everyone assumed I... that meant he eh. was going to graduate in December and then... don't think that's the way that he portrayed it when he first announced that he was okay. going to sit out the season. Well, my I read think, on the situation was that I thought he was already in the portal. Sure. So sure. <laughs> I no, I, I think that. that's I think that's new. But again, you know, you see Burroughs leaving. Jalen Hurts is gone. Yeah. From left, which like we already talked about Newman. So yeah, it's like these guys at these some like not you know, some smaller ish schools 
He goes like, well, actually, you know what? I, I take that back because actually at the Army game, well, not the Army game. We can't call it the Army game anymore. The Adidas All-American game, uh, Preston Stone, committed a top 100 guy, committed to SMU. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's SMU's biggest commitment in years. You know, and I'm, I'm, now I think about, you know, this could be could be the situation there. You know, guy get... That's Sonny Dykes. Yeah, could play early though. Yeah. Like at SMU, you're going to play a lot faster than you would if you committed to Oklahoma or, or Bama or you could know, anywhere you else. Argue maybe like a Graham Mertz did something similar, committing to Wisconsin. Ish, yeah. I mean, because Mertz was, I think Ohio State was the other program that Mertz. I think Ohio State, Michigan was kind of in that one too. Um, mm-hmm. But Wisconsin, yeah. But that's you know, it's like Wisconsin. It's like they're one program. Yeah, they never have really gotten that big right big name and you're right i mean but but that the the ironic part is cone kind of sees the job and i think mertz is gonna have to wait his turn now at wisconsin so uh no interesting stuff but but yeah yeah it's it's at the top of the list steve this can be a quick answer because i think i know where you're going it, these guys like kj costello Derek king are entering the portal should michigan take a look Obviously, three of the four playoff teams had transfer quarterbacks as their starters this year. Is it worth a peek, or they, or they? Do you think they're good with what they have? It's always worth at least looking and evaluating. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you if there's somebody out there that you think gives the team the best chance, to, a better chance to win than what you have on the roster, then you have to at least take a look. Will they? I don't know. I th- I pretty. I mean, I'm sure. Like I said, I think they've at least evaluated some guys though i just I know costello know. was someone they really liked out of high school right yeah it'd costello. be funny if they ended up with three top 100 or top 50 2016 quarterback recruits right <laughs> peters all, and yeah, patterson of varying yeah no uh that would be funny uh, but we'll have to see I, i'd be i just they like they really like both these guys they like milton and mccaffrey a lot i'd be okay. kind of surprised but again Never ruling anything out, you know. And I'm, you know, I don't care about the whole you know, develop your own quarterbacks, you know. Because it's like just like you said, no, it three matter. of the four play, yeah, three of the four playoff teams had transfer quarterbacks. It's the new age as far as that stuff goes. If it's just like anything else, if you find a, you know, a, a guy that you think gives you a better chance to win, then you make that move. You know, mm-hmm. it's just because the portal is there for everybody. It's a two way street. So if they bring in somebody they think's better, nobody's stopping anybody on the roster right now from entering and finding a better option for themselves too. I mean, look at Peters, perfect example. Right. They he's bring in Patterson. Yeah. yeah, he's found a home. Everybody's happy. You know, I mean, it's like it's the way it turned out in that situation. So, and it didn't feel like there was much, a ton of ill will there. I think there was. was his, I think his mom tweeted. Nobody has it, or who has it better than us? Nobody after they beat Wisconsin, which was kind of funny. But you know, overall though, I thought it was an amicable split. So yeah, so yeah, if they find somebody they think is better, I assume they would pursue. But again, I I, I anticipate that this is Milton and McCaffrey. Okay, okay. So some other checklist items we can. Uh, we don't need to spend quite as much time on these other smaller ones, but the other big one that stands out to me, I know they have positional voids to fill at a number of spots. Um, offensive line is a big one. Linebacker, and particularly outside linebacker. I know they, they like Michael Barrett, but obviously developing him is key. 
to me, I think, I think this secondary though, I think they're they're still. I think this will be their fastest secondary. I know we said that last year. I think this secondary will legitimately be be faster. You have Dax Hill and Ambry Thomas, two guys who reportedly run. Well, actually, Dax Hill is officially done at laser time. I'm not sure what Ambry Thomas's official laser time 40 yard dash is, but in the four three four four range, they really haven't had that kind of speed in their secondary much at all. Brad Hawkins, I don't know what he runs, but he looks pretty quick to me. I think speed is maybe his one of his better traits. Um, you know, they still need that second corner and and that third corner as well. Uh, Vincent Gray, DJ Turner, Jalen Perry are all the standout names that we've we've heard the most from. But to me, I think I think they need both personnel development and I think they need schematic development. You know, the 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 good teams, the days of holding elite offenses under 20 points are gone. I'd say the days of holding elite offenses under 30 points are probably gone. But all the same, I feel like the big plays, surprise, surprise, there will be a story on this in the next day or so. I feel like the big plays are mounting a little little much for Michigan. I think that was apparent. Jerry Judy was going to get his, but does his mean 206 yards? Does it mean you let K.J. Hamler... Just completely do whatever he wants, you know, and have those gigantic plays. Feel like I don't know if it's zone. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's um you know defending guys a little bit deeper. I don't know if it's giving up a little more consistent short yardage plays in exchange for kind of having having a safety valve. But to me, I, th- I it's got to change. It has to change. You can't. You can't win. I know everyone knows all the stats now. 118 points to Ohio State. <laughs> Michigan's Michigan's never going to score 119 in two years against Ohio State. And so I know both those games kind of got away from them. I, I don't read into every single point they gave up, but they were able to do whatever they wanted both times. And so and with two different quarterbacks and and really kind of two different two different schemes not completely different but s- somewhat different schemes feel like the big plays have to they have to that that's if you're Don Brown that's that might be your entire checklist minimize big plays i don't know Steve what do you what do you think about about the secondary about the defense some of the some of the tweaks they have to change yeah i mean i still think a lot of it was inconsistency in getting to the quarterback too, you know, uh, it certainly doesn't help. Yeah. Right. We're used to Michigan, you know, when, with Bush is like constantly creating chaos in the pocket for opposing quarterbacks. And I mean, that's how any defense succeeds. I feel like just this, this last season, I think Michigan a little bit lack. I think one of the predictions we had where I thought Michigan would be fine off of the edge after losing Winovich and Gary, sort of came true but at the same time you know it was it was interesting it reminded me a lot of of Rashawn against Alabama where it was Michigan was about a half second away from having like four or five sacks but they were just not quite there just quick enough you know and a couple of them turned into big plays you know the thing with the Alabama game you, you take out that junk touchdown away at the end I mean 
Alabama was averaging 45 points a game. Michigan had them at 28, you know, and so I, I, I'm not saying that I totally agree. I mean, you remember our post-Penn State pod about the Hamler stuff where I was beside myself almost at, you know, how frustrating that was for Michigan. I think the biggest thing, yeah, diversifying their coverage as far as the player Which personnel. they kind of did. I mean, they, no, they, they, they did a decent amount. I, I think another year of Hill, another year of Hawkins – It'd be, it'd be nice, I think, for Michigan to have a first-year guy come in and make a – that's the one – and, again, we've talked before about, you know, that Michigan has so many things going against them in that regard. We talk about the bridge program, which is really what the coaches were adamant as far as that was what was holding Dax and Hill back from making them, like, an instant, instant impact was the bridge program for the summer enrollees. You know, they got Selden up early. He's already on campus. I do think he's a guy that could play a role from the get-go. Now, is he going to be like a mainstay? You know, not necessarily, but he's. A, I think he's a situational a situational coverage guy for them if he, as long as he stays healthy, you know, as an early enrollee. But, you know, for like a Moten or one of those types of guys to come in, because the, what I really liked about this class they brought in in 2020 is it, it's a very wide variety of like what I say, just coverage types as far as, you know, Moten is a guy I think could probably cover receivers and could cover tight ends. And then you got Mohan, who's a guy who could maybe cover tight ends and cover running backs. You know, it's like there's a wide they, – they create created a lot of coverage versatility from a personnel standpoint in this class. Mm-hmm. And I think with Metellus, again, really one of the more tragic – figures I can remember on you know for Michigan football since I've been doing this as far as a guy who I think was just put in crap positions a lot of times is that Michigan will have faster players at that spot next year people who maybe have more ability to cover one-on-one because like I said I think he just got left I think he was left out to dry just way too often and put in situations that you know it was an uphill battle for him to succeed so you know, I don't know. I mean, that's what that's the way I kind of look at it. I think it's a mix, you know, because you talk about Ohio State. Uh, really, Ohio State won because they ran the ball down Michigan's throat, set everything else, set everything up for them. That's a, you know, Wisconsin ran the ball down their throat. So I don't think it was all about coverage ability necessarily. I think a lot of it was that interior of the interior up front that we talked about earlier, and a little bit of the inability on the edge to get to the to get to the passer consistently, at least in, in big games against good quality programs. We'll agree to disagree. I think the coverage is a problem, but it's uh, I'm not saying it's not a problem. Yeah. I just think it's 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 it's. I do it's agree. Defensive it's interior is. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all a concert. Yeah, it's um, you need every, and that's that might be something Michigan needs to look at too, is. Can they, if they have a deficiency, how does Michigan avoid it from being really, really obvious? Because I think that's something that we've been able to say the past few years about even as as good as Michigan's defense is, the elite teams are able to exploit it with big plays, whether it's linebackers, whether it's the safeties, whether it's, uh, you know, that third cornerback position or nickel coverage. It's, they've been able to, Seems like the Penn State, Ohio State bowl opponents of the world have been able to exploit it. So um, that's something that you now probably 
probably needs a little bit more film analysis on our part to to pinpoint it exactly, but the big play defense seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Steve, we got we got time for a few little ones. What what sort of ones are you looking at uh, next next two or three months? But maybe between now and and when spring ball ends, uh, I know one I'm very curious about is is Chris Evans finding a way to use him. Is he playing a role kind of like Giles Jackson, the receiver running back hybrid? Is he an H back? Maybe like what Ohio State has done a few times. Is he just a natural running back because that's what he's played? Uh, I know that's one that's high on my list. What are, what are some of the ones that stand out to you? Maybe the smaller checklist items. I'd actually like to see him reel in a couple 2021s uh, on the recruiting trail. You got two top 100 guys committed already in McCarthy and L. Including a quarterback, which yes. helps with recruiting momentum. So what I said is you know, I had to explain on the board Last week, you know, as people were like defensive tackles, the most important, you know, people are freaking out about defensive tackles all the time. And it's like, I think quarterback's the most important position. And Michigan already has a five-star committed there. Well, that doesn't count. It's like, well, it does count because they got the guy. You know, like that matters. That's a big, so that's huge. Like you said, that's, that's, it's the one position where it can maybe make a little bit of a difference on the recruiting trail because the quarterback's the most visible guy. You know, they're the ones that, hey, if a guy's talented enough and other skill position type players see it, it's like, hey, I want to maybe I want to play with this guy. You know, he can be kind of the face for this class, but it's different than faces they've had in the past, you know, because he's somewhat he's much higher rated and much more active uh, vocally, at least open, like from an open standpoint. I don't know, like McCaffrey was quiet on social media. Maybe he recruited guys pretty hard behind the scenes. I don't know, but, you know, so I think a couple tw- more 2021s to kind of get things going in that class a little bit, you know, it's like they got, they actually have the same amount of 2022 commitments that they do 2021s at this point, which is, you know, I mean, two, two, two 2021s is a lot of twos, uh, is that's not a big deal right now. That's not bad. It's fine. Just saying like you get the, I think they have a junior day coming up on February 1st. I'm sure a lot of their top guys will be there, you know, maybe to secure one or two more guys kind of get things going there you know, get the ball rolling a little bit there, I think would be uh, advisable for Michigan. Sure. Another one, another couple ones I have. Um, if I were writing, I, eh, this might turn into a story, uh, but second-year defensive players, Don Brown, you mentioned the first-year impact has really never been there. D- Dax Hill became the first true freshman starter to start on defense under Jim Harbaugh. That's five seasons, and he only started because Brad Hawkins got injured. But a lot of those, a lot of the sophomores have been standouts. Bush and Hudson stand out. Lavert Hill, David Long. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary's sophomore year was pretty good. I, I, I don't think that should be. I know he didn't quite meet the grand expectations, but uh, his sophomore year was pretty good. You start to see a little bit more of it. I know Metellus started, became a starter as a sophomore. Uh, start to see it a little bit more as second-year players. So, um, you know, I, I could break down the list, but there's there's a few. There's a few intriguing ones. We've we've discussed some of the guys in the defensive line, Ajabo. Um, you know, what, what does Gabe Newberg bring? What do – I mean, Cameron Grohn's another sophomore who stood out, by the way. But I know Mike Barrett will technically be a third-year player, but with his positional switches, maybe he counts as a second-year player. 
new new star. They need to find a few new new ones. Anthony Solomon maybe a name to keep in mind. It's uh, it'll be interesting. DJ Turner, Jalen Perry you mentioned yeah, them. DJ Turner, yeah, he's definitely one to. He's gotten the Zordich. He's gotten the Zordich uh, un unprompted praise, yeah. which you know, Rare. that's that. Yeah, I was gonna say that that means something. Um, offensive line, obviously, they need they need the next generation, and some of them will be second year players, but some of them will be maybe. Maybe an Andrew Stuber, or maybe a Chuck Filiaga, or maybe a, who knows, maybe if they don't, maybe it's an Andrew Vastardis, maybe, as you mentioned, always Zach, worth a peek. Zach, Carp- in Zach the, Carpenter. I, I, yeah, the buzz is high on Zach Carpenter, absolutely. Has been um, he would be my projected center. Yep. But, um, I think but they, they need leaving, a few. Yeah, I think Spinellis leaving in that is single instance. I think Spinellis leaving was a pretty good indicator that Michigan loves what they have in Carpenter. I mean, cause Spinellis I, I, is a guy, I think wherever he transfers to, he's probably going to start. Like I had a similar thought. People asked if that meant Ruiz was coming back. I'm like, no, that probably means Ruiz is gone. Yeah. But yeah. that Carpenter is actually passing him. It's, it's the same thing. If, if a younger player passes a veteran player on the depth chart in today's college football, and I don't, I don't knock it at all. Expect that player to transfer unless it's close or they think they have a fighting chance. But yeah, they need they need some they need some new big names. I think it will end up being overlooked because the results weren't there on the field. But that interior offensive line, they didn't allow a sack all year. All year, Mike Unwenu, Ben Bredesen, Caesar Reese, all top one hundred recruits, all will probably play in the NFL. Uh, at least get a cup of coffee in the NFL. I would imagine Bredesen and Ruiz will be on active rosters next year. I don't know. I don't know how Unwenu will be evaluated, but perhaps highly. Um, so I need that. They continued uh, development of finding ways to utilize guys like Nico Collins and Nick Eubanks. I know it's not quite the acceleration kind of players like a Giles Jackson or Mike Sanders still, but they're very talented and they're big mismatches. So finding out what to use from them. Zach Charbonnet had as good of a true freshman season as, as we've seen from a Michigan running back. Mike Hart obviously was was a little bit better, but what's his next step look like? I, th- I think there's a few guys like that. Any anything else on the checklist uh, in terms of putting this program in place for spring ball? I don't, I don't think so. I think we okay, it pretty thoroughly. I think bringing making sure. I'm glad we did bring up the offensive lines. I don't think we talked enough about that. I mean, you're replacing right. four starters. That's a big deal, no matter how you cut it. So, uh, so yeah. No, I think we pretty much got it all covered. I don't know if they can figure out how to win on the road in the offseason, but that's obviously something that, that, that has been ailing Michigan, similar to a lot of the issues that we've discussed so far. Uh, they got a, they got two big road tests, two, two winnable road tests, I would say, but they're big tests regardless, one at Washington, one at Minnesota. I kind of expect them to win all their other road games, but maybe that's maybe that's – foolish of me maybe it's not but those two if they can if they can figure out how to be a good road team i think you and i both like their chances of heading into the ohio Columbus, state game the other yeah road game because they do play yeah them on the road. <laughs> i penciled that one in as, as a loss actually but okay. um <laughs> right. Right. No, I'm with you. but but still if they can find a way to be a good road team that that really changes the scope of the season i don't know if you can figure that out in the off season though i, I, don't, I, I don't know so. if that's a i think that's more of a um 
execute it in the moment kind of thing. So anyway, with that, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. That that was the our assessment of Michigan football's to-do list here on January 14th, day after the national championship game. Here's what they can do. I don't. I, I assume spring practice will start in about eight weeks, eight eight to ten weeks. Um, obviously, we'll talk a lot about the Michigan football team leading up to then, as well as basketball and recruiting. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next week.